the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 377, live <laughs> for Friday, January 27th, 2012. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. The show where you ask questions, you send in your tips, we provide some tips of our own, and together we all learn something new about the Mac. Here in San Francisco, California, at Macworld iWorld Expo, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in almost the same place, John F. Braun. <laughs> almost the same place. So uh, today we are happy to be here. We are going to do our uh, our stump the geek because we have a live audience here in the in the room 2011 at uh, at the Moscone West. So uh, so get your questions ready. And uh, in between stump the geek, John and I will go through some of our uh, cool stuff found things on the show floor. We have a limited amount of time, so we will uh, we will get going. So there is a mic in the middle of the room. And, uh, and please, bring your geek questions, see what we can do. Anything goes, uh, as long as it's a two-way street. So you can ask anything you want, we can give any answer we want. John, you want to, uh, you want to kick us off with one of your cool things found until we have a taker at the, uh, at the microphone in the middle of the room? Sure. Okay, I haven't seen these guys yet, but I saw the... Keep, keep okay. It. Yeah. All right, first thing here, this looked pretty neat. Uh, it's called AirStash, and it uh, combines a bunch of, uh, bunch of features that I think is an interesting combination. So it's an 8-gigabyte flash drive, but it also is a wireless server, so you can also share the documents. You can also stream your media, and then it also has a SD reader, so you can plug your camera into it and then, uh, and then share your photos. So I thought that was a Pretty interesting combination of technology. Uh, I think eight gigabytes, and, and I believe it's about uh, 150. That's cool. And that's on the show floor here? Uh, I assume so. I haven't gotten to them yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. They do we have, a, do we have a question coming up to the, to the microphone here? All right. Let's go. Uh, say you're, get, get as close to the mic as you can. You see me yelling at John here. I'll yell at you just the same. It's totally fine. Uh, so state your name, and I'm thanks for... I'm a premium for... customer, so you shouldn't yell at me. I won't yell at you for being a premium customer. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> sure. Is, the, uh, is that mic live in the, in the mains? Can I, you guys hear him? All I hear is me. Yeah. All I hear is you, too. It worked when we came in. Uh, it did work when we came in. I bet he, uh, I bet he turned it down. So I'm going to go disappear while John talks about his second thing, and I'm going to turn it up. Hang right there for us, please. John, talk about our second thing. All right. This is a, in a similar vein here. So it's another uh, another thing that will let you share your files here. And I believe this was a uh, it's a Kickstarter, a uh, little startup here. So it's called Cloud FTP, and it's a, a magic little box. Um, I don't know if it's technically doing FTP, but what it is, it's it's a small box. What you do is you plug a USB drive into it. You can then share that drive. Uh, from what I can see here, it, it will let you share it over the internet. Uh, it will also share files with uh, different systems here. Uh, two of them would be uh, Dropbox and I think also Box.com. So uh, something nice in the uh, cloud space. 69 bucks. Cool. Uh, let's see if that microphone works. Okay. Is it working now? Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it. You know what? Come on up here and you're going to talk right into my microphone. 
We'll solve this the old-fashioned way. My, my name is Mark McChesney, and uh, my question is, uh, periodically, which periodic is all too frequent, the, uh, when I plug in any of my iDevices, uh, run, get in the shower, come back, the syncing didn't finish because my iDevice was not authorized on the iOS account. I've talked to AppleCare a number of times. They've had me delete uh, iTunes, reinstall iTunes, gone in and, and done some of the magic, taken some remnants of the files out of iTunes, and then gone and done a complete new reinstallation of iTunes. And it happens once every couple of weeks. Plug in my iPad, plug in my iPhone. Uh, it starts the sync process, and it, it pulls everything across except anything that I've bought, which is my apps and anything I've bought in the iTunes store. And so I have to put in my, my, my user ID is populated. I have to put in my password, and then it says, oh, you really are an authorized user. It tells me that, oh, this computer is already authorized. So I get a message that, that emanating out of iTunes that says, this is authorized. And, and then will it sync, or does it fail? at that? Then it syncs. Okay. So where is that stuff stored? Um, have you tried deauthorizing the device on the device itself and then coming back in from there? Okay, so you've gone into iTunes in the, st in the store and deauthorized everything. <sighs> well, this is one of those questions that's really nice to research ahead of time. Um, <laughs> I can offer a guess. Go. Uh, I wonder if something... I'm wondering if something is damaged in the, uh, in the keychain, some credentials in the keychain. That was my thought, too. Um, I don't think iTunes stores that stuff there. You know what you need to do? You need to use my little five-minute tip from yesterday in the rapid-fire session where I, I talked about, and of course I've talked about this on the show before, where you, you want to find out what preference file is being touched when you do that authorization, right? So you're going to do a search in the finder, um, and you're going to add system files to that search, and we've got an article on TMO that can walk you through that process if you don't already know how to do it. And then... Um, and then you're going to have to go through the process, and as soon as you see that happening, get that search up in the finder, and it'll be updating live. And as soon as you authorize it, see what file gets touched. And, and then maybe go and, and delete that and maybe other stuff in the folder related to it. I mean, you're going to have to do some guesswork, so make a backup first, please. But, uh, but that's how I would troubleshoot that. I don't know the magic answer, but that's, that's, how, I would, that's how I would do that. Uh, I guess I should go to uh, something cool that I found. Pocket Informant 2. So uh, you, you guys, know, uh, many of listeners know that I, uh, I am a big BusyCal fan on the Mac. Um, the, the calendar on iOS is, is okay, but if you have a lot of events in it, really the only way that you're going to see those events is in list view, especially on the iPhone. Um, Pocket Informant changes this. And with Pocket Informant 2, they actually add your contacts in as well. But what was really cool is I downloaded Pocket Informant, and I launched it, and all my data was already there. And any changes I make automatically sync because they're using the calendar store on your iOS device. So whatever you have configured uh, on your iOS for calendars, I, use, I actually use Google Calendar, MobileMe, and iCloud right now. So I'm kind of crazy, but uh, but it works really, really well. And and they've got a version for the iPad version two 
might be out for the iPad right now. It's, they say it's in review with Apple, but it's 10 bucks for either one. You, you do have to buy it for both because there's an HD version and a non-HD version. So if you've got two devices, they're going to get 20 bucks out of you. But, uh, but it's totally worth it. I, I, I can't believe I've never switched to this before. It's, um, it's great. And it's from Web Information Systems, and I hope I remember that correctly. But it's definitely nine ninety nine in the App Store, at least as of right now. So they, I think that pricing is going to go up once version two for the iPads out, but uh, but uh, gosh, it's awesome, and uh, and then like I said, version two adds adds contacts into it as well, so you can totally link things together. It, beautiful calendar views, uh, and uh, and and just really efficient use of the space on your screen for the power calendar user. So definitely worth it if you if you spend any amount of time in your calendar. So that's my that's my story. Uh, other questions? Just come up to the stage. We're we're going to give up on the the in room mic. Well, I think I got an answer here actually to the last one. I did find something. Oh, dude, you you're cheating. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> we. Well, no, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna toss this out very quickly here. So I did find an Apple support article. iTunes repeatedly prompts to authorize computer to play iTunes store purchases. It sounds close to the problem. It's similar and, enough and, that it's worth. And they have two solutions here. And actually, one involves removing a folder that I had actually never heard of called SC. Info. So, uh, where, t- wait, where is that folder? Uh, it depends on. Okay. Well, let's see. Yeah, in Mac OS X, because is there, are there any people users, here? That don- u- slash users slash shared slash SC info. So, uh-huh. you may want to try to remove that uh, folder. There may be something corrupted in there. John F. Braun, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. <laughs> That's right. All right. Question. Actually, you know what? I, I am going to talk about. Uh, we do have a sponsor for this show because that's kind of how we work, and that's what helps make it so that we can be here with all of you. And it's Parallels, so it's really easy for us to talk and say good things about them. Uh, Parallels Desktop Seven uh, adds a lot of cool Lion features, like uh, Launchpad and Mission Control inside your Windows uh, environment, and uh, and then you can also with a, an app, you can remotely access all your Mac and Windows stuff from your iPad or iPhone with, uh, with their new Parallels mobile app. And of course, Parallels, we all know it is that great thing that can be used to run Windows, but you can actually run other stuff inside it too. If you want to run Google Chrome, great way to run Google Chrome. Uh, if you want to run Linux, uh, you, you, know, you can have multiple flavors of Windows, and of course, depending on how much system resources you have, you can actually run multiple things at the same time. And they want to offer everyone, not just you in the room, but everybody at home too, uh, 10 bucks off. So use coupon code MACWORLD and you will get Parallels Desktop 7 for Mac for 10 bucks off the full version price. So that's Parallels at Parallels.com. All right, so next question. Hello, John and Dave. Allison Sheridan here. So you gave me a special invite to come ask my question here. Every day I sync my iPad, my iPhone, and my uh, iPod Nano because they all have different use cases. They've got different things they're doing. Uh, my iPad and my iPhone work flawlessly over the wireless syncing now, Lion, blah, blah, blah. And every time I plug my uh, Nano in, iTunes spins and spins and spins and spins. And then I force quit it, and then it says your, your iTunes library is locked. You have to reboot. And I pretty much it's a ritual almost every day. Now, I, I believe it happened also with the iPhone, but once I went to wireless syncing, I didn't have to worry about it there, but it's syncing just fine. But the, with the Nano, I've changed cables. I took my, my monitor out of the loop to make sure it wasn't some weird hardware thing. Uh, I'm pretty close to just... I, I reinstalled uh, iTunes. I have not completely... Uh, I haven't used App Delete yet to delete it, but that's going to be my next maneuver unless you guys give me a better idea. 
you're the only person I know that would unplug your monitor. And I like that, to, to test things. No, I, I got that. It's good. It's Allison Sheridan, yeah. Uh, so let's think about this. The first thing that happens when you plug in a device, uh, well, the first thing that happens with an iOS device is it backs it up. But you're not backing up a Nano. So, you know, I wonder if your problem is related to the, the same thing this other guy's talking about, where you've got a, a, an authentication database. But even that, man, that's... I yeah, it's what's going to authenticate. It's a, it's a nano. It doesn't have apps in, in, in that sense. I have a thought. Have you, looked, have you looked in the console log? Have you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> John? Well, I'll, I'll offer one tool that you could use to try to identify the problem. And I think we talked about it once before. No. Well, what, what's happening? Uh, are you, you're encountering what, what we could call the spin? Mm. Okay. Remember, we, we did cover this, I think, briefly uh, in the past. Um, part of the developer tools, there's something called, kind of amusingly, spin control. And its purpose in life is its developer tool that when uh, it'll basically identify apps that are spinning and then offer you some additional information. I can't go into detail, but, well, I don't know. You're allowed it, to. It, it'll tell you something. Well, the thing is, I don't know what it'll tell you. So, so you may want to, when this happens, run, or run spin control beforehand or after. You should be able to. I mean, the machine's not locked. It's just iTunes is... Is, is stalled or... And, and you said this used to happen with your, one of your iOS devices before you went to wireless syncing. Okay, so there's a little magic little utility that runs in the background that senses when um, the iTunes helper, right? Right? So I, I'm curious if you turn off... You can go into iTunes and... Um, it, and I, I, I can pull it up here. You people don't care what happens on the screen. Uh, in iTunes, we okay. can iTunes go helper, yeah. to, uh, if you go into preferences and go to advanced, no, uh, preferences and devices, uh, there's a checkbox for prevent, hang on, let me see if I can put this on the screen. There it is. Prevent iPods, iPhones, and iPads from syncing automatically. And so that's what iTunes Helper is doing. So I wonder if you were to turn that off and then just manually hit the sync button if the same problem happens. And if it does, then okay, well, this idea is full of holes. But if it doesn't, then at least now you've troubled, now you know, okay, it's this iTunes Helper. And perhaps you just go find it, kill it, reinstall iTunes, and let that kind of get reinstalled. That, that would be what we'd do. Awesome. And, la- and lastly, um, another thing, though, this is, again, more on the developer side, but in this directory, you may want to see if iTunes leaves you a present here, um, slash library slash logs uh, diagnostic reports is whenever an application has a problem, it'll typically store something in there. Those eventually actually get it shipped off to Apple to help them make better software and hardware um, if you authorize it. So there may be an iTunes one in there. If there is, that's another one. You, you see what it, you know, if you can see anything that makes sense. Cool. That, yeah, you're welcome. Any, any other questions? Come on up. Uh, please do. You've you got to come up here cause, so that uh, everybody in, in the world eventually might hear you. So, uh, and while you're coming up, John, you want to talk about your next thing on your list there? Um, My friend? Yes, okay. Good. WD, uh, Western Digital was just showing this, so uh, you'll see them on the show floor. Um, I haven't been happy with the amount of Thunderbolt peripherals that are out there, which is, I really believe I could count on one hand or two hands. One, one finger. Maybe. Uh, but they, they're showing now, they're not selling it yet, but uh, they do have what they call the, uh, 
my book, uh, Thunderbolt Duo. So it's a enclosure that can take two, um, two hard drives. You can either RAID 0 or RAID 1 them. So RAID 0 would stitch them together. So you put two, three drives, then it's a six. Or you can mirror, which is kind of nice. So it can go in either one of those modes. And they say that a single one goes at about 250 megabytes per second. That's pretty screaming. Holy crap. Um, but then if you put... And, but then they also, they daisy-chain them together. So they have two Thunderbolt ports on them, and they daisy-chain four of them together. So it was like a super raid. And I was seeing... Uh, you'll see an article will go up shortly, but I believe the read speed that I saw was about 700 megabytes per second, and the write speed was about 600 megabytes per second. So, so that's smoking. Now, the only... Bad news is that uh, pricing has not yet been determined. I'm, uh, <laughs> well, it will be, uh, yes, re- in direct relation to the speed, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, come on up, and uh, I'll give you the microphone here. Say your name. You know what to do. Hi, I'm Joe. I have a question about a MacBook Pro, or a Mac Pro, rather. When I shut it down, it won't uh, actually shut down. It will stay, be stuck on the white screen with the winding uh, circle. And it stays there, you know, until affinity if you don't turn it off manually. All right, so that, that, that's always an interesting one. Uh, if you have another Mac or an iOS device, um, the first thing I would do is I would turn on, and thank you, by the way, for, for bringing your question up. Uh, I would turn on uh, r- remote, oh, geez, SSH, what is that called? I, I can never remember what the, they've got so many different remote. You go into... Here, let's see if we can do this over here. So you go into sharing, and I'm sure I have it on, and I shouldn't when I'm on a public Wi-Fi network, uh, called remote login. That's what it is. And so you, uh, you turn that on, and then from the terminal, you can SSH in and take a look at the console log, um, or, uh, yeah, and, and, and see what's going on there. That, that, would be, that would be one thing to do. It's kind of a geeky thing. Uh, but you can do that either from an iOS device with an app like ISSH, or you can do it right from another Mac. So that would be one way to take a look at what's happening there um, and see what it might. It might give you some indication. There might be something being written to the uh, to the log that says I'm waiting for an event or I'm trying to do something because that should be what's happening there. Of course, you, it might be happening at a point past which networking has been disabled. Uh, so you're sort of screwed. But uh, now that I'm talking about this, there's actually a better way. The next time you reboot your computer, hold down Command-V. That will start it up in verbose mode. Uh, when you shut, if you have started up in verbose mode, when you shut down, it will also shut down in verbose mode. And you don't get the silly little spinning thing on the gray screen. You actually get the big, long terminal log, or the, the console log is, is what it would be at that point, scrolling by. And you will see exactly what's happening, and you'll see where it got stuck uh, or, and what it's doing. And that might give you some indication as to what's causing that. So that, that, that's how I would do it. There is another way. Does anybody know off the top of their head, there is a way to make it, to force it, do verbose, to, force it to do verbose shutdown even if you have not done verbose startup. I don't know if it's Command-V at the same time, but, uh, but I know there is a way to do it, but I always just do it by starting up in verbose mode. John, any thoughts on this one? Yes. <clears throat> of course. Me. Yes, of course. All right, the, uh, no, this, is a, this is a good opportunity here to mention, again, uh, library logs diagnostic reports. There's a type of diagnostic report called shutdown stall. No. Dude. I got one, I got one right here. And it identifies, and actually the last one that I have here actually identified, um, what did I identify? 
Uh, oh, no. Uh, DD. Okay, it identified a process that seemed to stall shut down. So. Cool. Looks like we have another uh, willing participant here. <laughs> My name is Mark Beasy, and uh, I'm running Lion on a Mini. And before I went to uh, Lion, I had a Snow Leopard on a separate USB drive. Now I try to access documents on my USB, and I don't have permissions. Why, why can't I get there? You want to take this one, Mr. Braun? So you actually um, you get an error message that comes up and says you don't have permissions, or you see the red folders have little red things. But you don't have permission to change the permissions, so you're... Yeah, so really? t- t- tell me again, um, h- how did you... When did it work, and when did it stop working? Say that again. I can't replay your comment. Yeah, uh, well, it's actually just recently that I, I've noticed that I can't go back to my other USB drive that's attached to the Mini. And was it connected to another Mac at any point? No, always in that. Did you do a clean install or anything? Like, a, did you, re, you know, re, reinstall the operating system or anything? Okay, so that's why this is happening. Okay, okay. So uh, the issue is when you have, um, you have a user account on the Mac, and, and you may have named your new user account the same as the old one, but the system doesn't, system does care what the name is. I don't want to say that. Uh, the system does not assign permissions by name. It assigns them by user ID number. And the first user on any Mac is number 501, typically. And then the second user is 502. And so the one that you create during the install process is 501. Sometimes when people install a new version of the, or reinstall the OS, they'll install the OS and create like a dummy account. And then later go and pull with Migration Assistant their, old, their other user account over. If you were the first user account on your old Mac, and now because of this migration process I just uh, described, you'd now be the second user. So all the stuff on your USB drive was assigned to user 501, and now it's assigned to user 502. Uh, it's still, wait, sorry. Now you're user 502, and it's assigned to user 501. So, so that's what's going on. So you need to change the permissions. Now, there's a couple of ways to do that. You, you, yeah, I'm assuming you tried doing the little unlock thing in the finder, and it still wouldn't let you do it. Um, okay, so you can do it from the terminal um, if you're not afraid. And you're going to use the, uh, and I'm doing this completely off the top of my head. So you're going to use the ch own command, right? Yeah, C-H-O-W-N. So you're going to type sudo space C-H-O-W-N, which is mean change owner, uh, space, and then your short username, whatever that is, okay? Uh, And I'll type it up here. I I don't, uh, this is is totally without a net here, folks. This is crazy. Um, Now you're going to hate my weird terminal view. You're not going to be able to see that. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, I like it translucent because I have the terminal open all the time. So it's going to be something like this. Sudo, Chon, and I would do Dave, right? Um, And then I would say slash volumes slash name of USB, right? And so you're going to have to figure out what the name of your USB drive is. It's always going to be in volumes. And I believe uh, that that would do it. 
and you're going to hit enter, and it's going to ask you for your password. Chris, I'm not going to do this right now because I have no idea. I need to rely on this for a couple more days. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Is anybody here? Double cross check me here. I'm getting a, I'm getting a thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, so is that Darby out there? I don't have my glasses on. All right, thanks, Darby. Um, so Darby Lines from the Angry Mac Bastards podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, so, so that's what you're going to do. And that, that would do it from the terminal. So that's one way to do it. Um, you sh- I was going to say you should be able to do it from inside the GUI, but obviously it's not letting you. But sudo will run it as root, and if that doesn't work, it, it's just time to hit it with a hammer, man. That's how we do it. Yeah. Wash it with hot, soapy water and get that bug out of there. Any thoughts on that, John? Or am I... Now, was this only FireWire? I thought there was the, there's this box that says ignore permissions for external drive. Is that only FireWire? I think that's only FireWire. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. There is in the Finder, I don't have an external drive with me. It, it is any external disk. So if I can magically find an external USB disk in here. I got one. You do. Look at, yeah, but you've got to give it to me so I can show it up here. Uh, Thanks, brother. So, we plug in an external drive, and that's Paul Scott from the Las Vegas Mac Users Group. Everybody give it up for Paul there. That's right. Thank you. Hmm. So, uh, you click on the drive, and you do a get info. Well, of course, the get info window is over on this other monitor. And down here in sharing and permissions, I don't think it's here in Lion. No, it's not. Uh, might be a, it's because it's a FAT32 formatted volume. That's right. Oh. Yeah, so that's right. If it wasn't FAT32, you said pick anyone, and of course you huh. stack the deck. But most USB drives are actually FAT32 unless you change them. The one I got is too. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so there will be a box, should be a box there that says ignore permissions on this volume, as John said, and that, uh, that, should, that should allow you to kind of manipulate the files on there regardless of what the permissions say. We hope. All right. Um, one of the cool things I saw out there was it's called the Blue Tiki. Uh, it is a microphone, and it's actually handy that I have a USB stick here. Uh, it's a it's a USB microphone, uh, and it it is it kind of looks it's of the form factor of a of a USB stick. It's just got a little. There's no cable to it. It is meant to plug directly in like a thumb drive does. Uh, it sits up about this high, and what's cool about it is it's got two capsules, two um, uh, microphones essentially on it, one on either side so that for, for various reasons. Number one is that way you can plug it into either side and you always have a microphone facing you. Smart. Uh, number two is it actually uses the off-axis one, the one on the back, to pick up room noise and A, do noise cancellation uh, so that you've got a cleaner sound when you're doing something like Skype with somebody. Uh, and it also figures out what the ambient noise is. And this is all without drivers, by the way. It does this internally to the mic. Uh, it, it figures out what the ambient room level is and, and then will actually mute itself so that when you're, when you're doing a Skype thing or even a podcast or whatever, um, it essentially acts as what, what one would call a noise gate. And it auto-sets itself so that it's not picking up room noise when you're not talking, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, unfortunately, it's not for sale yet because that's kind of how they, they work. But they will. it does exist, and I believe that it will be for sale sometime. They're shooting for March, so figure, you know, overseas manufacturing delays, we'll have it by, you know, May. 
but we have a shout out for the Mikey Two from from Blue as well. Is that the one that plugs into directly into your iOS device? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. I've actually I've, I've played with that one a little bit. That is, it, it's very, it's a very good quality mic. Obviously, way better than the one that's built into either your Mac or your your iPhone. So, yeah. yeah. So he's talking about there's a third one that they're showing here, which is true. It's the the blue spark. It's actually a a, a fairly large element. I, don't, I think it's maybe half inch or three quarter inch element in a in a stand that's actually got a shock mount in it, and uh, it will plug directly into the iPad and be powered by the iPad. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, they're they're doing some cool things over there, at blue. So uh, you can check it. Check all this out at their booth. It's fun stuff. So more questions. Somebody's got to have a question. All right, Paul, you can have your USB stick back then. That'll be the, the payment for asking a question. Okay. I'm, I'm Paul Scott from uh, Las Vegas Mac User Group and TechBits Podcast. Uh, I wanted to ask, when you guys record the show, I'm trying to find a way whenever I record my show to get Skype into one track, my microphone into a separate track, so to, to make it a little easier to edit. What's the best and easiest way to go about doing that? So just to make sure, you want to record into, you want to, at the end of the recording, you want to have two separate tracks that you can then mix in post-production after the fact? Okay. So that's actually nothing like what we do. Uh, but we can, I can still answer your question. Uh, but the, the thing is, uh, we actually record direct to one track only. Um, and it is what it is. So we're actually mixing it live. But that way, we, have, we don't have to do any post-production. By the time we finish the show, and usually within about 15 minutes, the MP3 is live for you to download. Um, and that's why we do it that way, because I know I won't have time to post-produce it. Um, so, uh, but the way I would do that is I would use Audio Hijack Pro, uh, because that will allow you... Well, there's a couple ways. So you could use Audio Hijack Pro... And, and capture Skype as one session in Audio Hijack Pro and capture your microphone as another session. Even if Skype is using that microphone for, for the other person to hear, uh, you can capture them as two different sessions and then in each session in, in Audio Hijack Pro can be recorded separately. And then you could pull those tracks into GarageBand or what have you. Or you could use uh, my friend John's favorite audio editing program as long as you don't have Lion, right? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can do this. I don't know if I you use can. it this way. All right, Wiretap Studio is right, another yeah. one. Now, unfortunately, I think they changed the uh, the sound API in Lion, so you're not able. I think it'll just record all or nothing. You can't specify what sources. I tried Wiretap anywhere. On, uh, oh. As soon as I loaded it, it said, warning, warning. Doesn't work with Lion. Yeah, so Audio Hijack Pro does work with Lion and would allow you to do this. And it's a really, it's, it's an interesting piece of software. It's totally powerful. It requires you to get a little bit geeky um, in order to do this just because you've got to set up multiple sessions for each of your tracks. But it gives you the flexibility to do anything you want. And frankly, without Audio Hijack Pro, I don't know that we would still be doing this podcast six and a half years later because it makes it... it I spent a lot of time configuring it initially, but now it's just total plug and play. And it allows us to route sound around in a lot of crazy ways. You know, Remember, we play audio comments, so John hears the audio comments when I play them. They also go to tape. They also go to my ears. But 
John's audio only goes to my ears in tape and not back to John, because if it did, he would be stuttering all the time because he'd be hearing himself on a delay. So it, it allows us to get away with doing that. And it's actually pretty easy once you've, kind of once you've played with it a little bit. So, so that's, and it does work with Lion. So that's what I'd. Ah, that's true. They do have a new piece of software. Thank you. We've got uh, a couple of people here in the, in the crowd suggesting that we use Piezo, P-I-E-Z-O, which is it based on, it's also from Rogue Me, but the same people that make Audio Hijack Pro, and it is built to be an easier version of Audio Hijack Pro for people that do want to do exactly what you just described, so I wasted a lot of time getting to that. Thanks, everybody. There's Soundflower, and you could, use, you could use something like Soundflower to route into GarageBand and, get, and, and mix things together in a way that, that you could do that, too. Yeah, this, that's a good creative solution. Yeah, that's right. And that way you've got tracks that are already time-synced as opposed to, yeah, that's, that's not bad. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, this is what I love about our audience. Everybody has... You know, between all of us, we, we get the answer. So the uh, gentleman in the crowd suggested Ecamm Network's call recorder, which is built to do, purpose-built to do this exactly with Skype. Uh, so, yeah, another great option. Those guys are great at Ecamm. E-C-A-M-M is uh, how they spell that. So, All right, Mr. Braun, what do you got? We only, we only have nine minutes left, believe it or not. All right, this one here, X Print Server, uh, did an article on this uh, a day or so ago. So you have something called AirPrint now, which most of you know that you can take your iDevice and you can print to uh, AirPrint-enabled printers. Uh, uh, one of nine. Yeah, uh, kind of like Thunderbolt devices. My observation is that um, not many printers uh, are AirPrint-enabled, so it's almost a, a useless feature. Here's what their magic box... That, though there are a couple of pieces of software. I think there are either hacks where you can hack a, a Mac to act as a print server. You can, which, yeah. But that's a very expensive print server. You know. Yeah, your Mac has to be on all the time in order for your Mac to do it. That's right. All right, so, uh, so it's called X-Print Server, and basically it's a magic little box. It uh, has an Ethernet port. Uh, I believe it also does Wi-Fi, but here's what it does. So it'll go out on your network and find all JetDirect or... At, Printers that use one of the three protocols here, JetDirect slash AppSocket, LPD or IPP, which, uh, for example, my laser printer is, uh, I think I have it set up as LPD or LPR. I think that, a, that would be most, as I'm looking at that list, I mean, that's going to get most, print, most network printers are going to show up that one of those ways. So what it does, both. it'll find uh, more standards compliant printers and offer them as airport printers. Uh, it was very nice, uh, $150. Uh, and what you do is you connect to the device using Wi-Fi with your iDevice, and then when you click on print, you will see the printers that is identified. And it was actually fun at the event where, that we were at in that uh, I was still connected to it, you know, like a half an hour after um, it had been demonstrated to me, and I was being kind of a wise guy and printed something, and they, they were shocked because they weren't demonstrating it to anyone, and all of a sudden the printer came to life, but I, was, I didn't print anything uh, inappropriate, so. That's too bad. Um, it, what's important to note about this device is it, you don't actually plug your printer into it. You just plug this device into your network somewhere, and it goes and auto-discovers your printers and then offers them up as uh, AirPrint printers, so, which is really, really... I mean, it's such an elegant solution to that problem, and it's such a stupid problem. I, Apple could fix this, but... Um, 
I mean, they, they, uh, no, they probably won't. You're right. Yeah, at this stage, if they haven't yet, they probably won't. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see. Do I have anything else on my list here, John? I'm sure I do. Oh, we got a question from Rod. My name's Rod. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to give you enough to go on here, but uh, at our office, we've got, uh, I think it's seven megabytes per second download and one and a half up when you're wired. Not great, but it works. Uh, we've got an airport in there. I don't know if it's extreme or express, but we're getting about a half of a megabyte download and, and one up. So I, I, I've restarted it. I've reconfigured it. I've done everything I can. I don't know if it's a hardware issue or I have no idea why it's doing this. So uh, the first thing to, to do, and it sounds like you've tested this with multiple devices, so you've ruled this out, that it's not something about your device, your, your client devices. It's something, you've narrowed it down to your, your router. Okay, so um, you plug Ethernet into the router and you get fast speeds, wireless to the same router and slower speeds. Okay, so uh, we know that the router is able to get out to the Internet, right, because wired, everything works. Uh, it's either going to be a hardware issue with the router or um, get something like uh, Air Stum- iStumbler or, uh, or what's the other one that I can never, from the other one from Coingo Software. Or I got uh, a third one here. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, find something to take a look. And what you're, what you're looking for, we'll, we'll give you the name of the software in a minute. What you're looking for is finding other wireless networks around. You may be in, uh, if, you've got, if there's other offices around you potentially, you might be having channel contention uh, bandwidth contention. Um, you know, if, if somebody else is using the same channel, you have 11 channels of, of 802.11, um, of 2.4 gigahertz uh, bandwidth that you can use. And, and then, and then in the upper range, in the 5 gigahertz range, you can use more, but I don't think your router does 5 gigahertz. So, uh, what you, if someone, of the 11 channels, there's really only three distinct bands. So if you're on channel 6 and someone else is on channel 7, you're going to be fighting. Okay, you think of it, I, I always think of the channel as, as kind of a, a triangle, and, and the channel is the point of the triangle, but it, it sort of spreads into the other ones. It's focused on whatever channel you're on, and that's the one it's going to use the most of, but it's going to use other parts of the spectrum next to it. So if somebody else is on six, you want to be on one or 11, and, and that can make a huge, huge difference. So that, that might be your issue, and if it is, it's a really easy fix. Well, you're going to use one of these apps, and we're going to tell you the name of it, um, or just trial and error. Air radar. Air radar from Coingo Software is the one I was trying to think of. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yeah. So you, that's right. Um, I don't. Can you set that on Apple's routers? I don't think you can. Uh, Twenty. I've. You can, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's called wide channels. That's right. So, yeah, huh. turning wide channels off, even though it sounds like a good option uh, in, in a lot of cases, actually, probably more often than not, turning off wide channels is a good idea. Um, if it works, it's great, mm. but well, it often doesn't. So, thank you. Did you have something else? Did you have a third app you were going to yes. mention? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I wrote an article about this a little while ago on Monday's Mac Gadget, I believe. Uh, NetSpot, is it? Oh, yeah. This is cool. NetSpot. So this. what NetSpot lets you do, it lets you do so. And right now it's free, which uh, I've been in touch with the offer, and apparently he's uh, you know, kicking the tires, and he's going to offer one that's going to have an enhanced functionality. Right now it's free software for the Mac and lets you do what's known as a site survey. 
now, the one thing you could do, now, you, you can see, if you go to the airport menu and you hold down option, you will get a secret extended menu that's going to tell you all sorts of uh, geeky little things here. It'll tell you the, the radio mode that's been negotiated. Uh, but the, the most important thing that I think here you want to look for is, up. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, my article, Keep great. Keep talking. All right, so uh, one figure is something called RSSI, Receive Signal Strength Indicator. Uh, and that's just a relative measurement. I won't go into too much detail. But so you could just you could run around the office and see what that value is in various places, and uh, see if you can identify uh, an area. Maybe, maybe there's a device causing interference. I don't know. But the other thing is you could run this software. So you basically go through two steps. Um, and I did this. It was very simple. So this is the first story of my house. So you basically draw a map, and then what you do is you start walking around. And when you're in a certain spot, you click the button, and it's going to take. It's going to find every access point. And if you see on the left here, I have quite a few access points uh, and a lot of neighbors here. And when you click on, and then you go to the next spot, the next spot, the next spot, and it's going to then give you a map here that's going to show the signal strength um, for each of the base stations that have been found. It's a really nice tool because uh, a lot of times, and it could be the placement of your thing is not ideal. Maybe you should put it in it, and you can do that with this. You can put it in a different spot and then run another map and see if the the numbers uh, the numbers get better. Cool. All right, we have time for probably one more either cool stuff found or a question. Of course, questions are more fun, uh, but we will certainly do cool stuff found if no one else has a question. Uh, but otherwise, this is a relatively short forty-five minute Mac Geek Cab kind of like the old days when we started out and we targeted it about 40 minutes and then Pilot Pete showed up and we started doing an hour. And, uh, anybody else? Any other questions? I saw a hand go up and then come back down. Oh. It's okay. Oh. Oh, 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 hey. All right. So we'll go to, uh, we'll go to you, kind gentleman. This is really more of a PSA for you, Dave. This is your six-month reminder to clean out your closets. <laughs> That's Barry there, ladies and gentlemen. He... Uh, he tracks me on Twitter, and many years ago, I said I wanted to clean out my closet every six months. Someone remind me, and uh, and this has been going on for quite a number of years. Uh, the problem is, usually when you remind me, I'm home, and so I think, oh, good, I'll go, re- I'll go clean out my closet. So this was before we could do recurring to dos in uh, in on Mac OS. So this is uh, thank you, Barry. All right, uh, of course, I want to thank our sponsor again, which is Parallels for this show, and uh, and you can you can get their um, uh, ten bucks off Parallels Desktop Seven with a coupon code MacWorld. Uh, I believe that's it. Uh, anything else? Any last parting words? No? There is, uh, I don't have the, I don't know that I have the outro on here, John. So we're going to, we're just going to, uh, we're going to end this with, um, with us saying thank you and um, have fun. Enjoy the rest of the show and don't get caught. And that was the end of Mac Geek Cab number 377. I did just want to add a little note here uh, indicating how to contact us and all of that since we ran out of time during the show and didn't get into it. I also wanted to thank, again, our sponsor, Parallels. Uh, Parallels Desktop 7 for the Mac allows you to not only run Windows, but of course... uh, other operating systems as well, like Google Chrome, Linux, and you can run them all, including multiple flavors of Windows, simultaneously if your system has enough RAM to do so. Uh, again, the offer at Parallels.com is 10 bucks off 
if you use the code MACWORLD with a capital W. So uh, so that's for anyone listening to this episode, whether or not you were at uh, MacWorld iWorld Expo. And really, I think the name should turn from Expo to Festival, but perhaps that's something better to get into on another show. If you want to contact John and I, and of course, John's not here right now. I'm actually just doing this quickly on my own in my office so I can get this episode out to you folks. But if you want to contact us, that's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yes, folks, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. One more time so I can get it right. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can also call us at 206-666-GEEK, which is 4335. And you can Skype us to MacGeekGab. And I got to tell you, that's a whole lot more fun to do when John's here. So... John and I will be recording the next Mac Geek Gab, I believe number 378, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, tomorrow, that would be Tuesday the 30th. And uh, sorry, sorry, Tuesday the 31st. With that, folks, uh, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for uh, for being a part of what we do here. And for all of you that did come to the session or the podcast at Macworld Expo, uh, Macworld iWorld, whatever. Thanks. We really appreciate it. And the podcast marketplace this month is, of course, the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile, and Gazelle. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Made up.